This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. It's your, I'm your, it's spring break for the Nebraska football team, um, though it's not really spring break for me. That just means that really I don't have to go down to the stadium this week, friend. Uh, today I'm joined by sports director for KFOR FM 1033 and 1240 AM, Jeff Motes. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you, man? Good. I'm doing terrific, Greg. Good to see you. Good, good to catch up with you. It's been a while since we chatted. Yeah, it, it has been a while since we chatted. For those of you who actually don't know, because now it's been long enough to where people probably have come to this and come to my writing um, without knowing this. But once upon a time, I'm at a show over on ESPN 1480. Uh, and Moats was a great co-worker of mine. So a high school sports enthusiast. Um, we won't go down his favorite teams because uh, we've had some disagreements on all of that. But there are congrats. <laughs> Congratulations um, in order. I want to get this on the pod. Jeff was honored uh, this week during Nebraska uh, High School State Championships uh, with the NSA Distinguished Service Award. So, Jeff, definitely big congrats on that off top. I, I appreciate it, Greg. And, you know, um, the, the people that I've worked with in the past that have helped do games, uh, I think you've been included, too, at one point when you were working over there with us. Um, it's tremendous to have a staff that pitches in and with the week-long tournament that we had this year uh due to the big big 10 wrestling championships the weekend before um we knew the task was going to be a challenge and we got through it and chris schmidt he was doing such a great job flying colors for him connor clark who's one of our part-time guys and will wilson who you uh know very well and working with him in the past and and countless others behind the scenes from jeff bryden to Elijah Herbal and and many others that have helped uh, contribute to the success that we've had with our high school sports coverage. And, you know, with KFOR, we've been doing the Sportscasters Club for over 65 years. This goes back to at least the early to mid-1950s, way before you and I even existed. (laughs) And it's amazing on how many generations of athletes have been covered. You know, my dad, myself, my brother, uh, we were all participating in games that were covered on the radio by KFOR at the, uh, over the years, and 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 now KLMS has been in the fray with it too. So you know, it's nice to have two signals to where we could do that. And uh, we got through the week of the state tournament where uh, we thought there was no way we we're going to get through it, and we did. And it ended on a good note with one Lincoln team winning the state championship in boys basketball. Parkview Christian did it in D2. So nice to go out of the bang and uh, also to get that nice award from the NSA this weekend as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely going to, I definitely wanted to have Motown talk about that um, in even more detail. We're going to come back. We're going to table that for a quick second, though. And we definitely got to kick it off with Coach Speak, um, where we go over something that a player, a coach, or a talking head said, and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. 
Um, this week, it comes courtesy of Tom Brady, who has been uh, made an appearance in this segment on the show before. Uh, this time, as everyone knows, unless you know, you've been hiding out under a rock for, for the last day, uh, he decided to unretire um, after being retired for a short bit from, from the NFL. He's had this to say, and I quote, these past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I am coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Let's break that down. So Jeff, when you first heard that, what does that all mean? He's not ready to quit. It's amazing because Tom Brady and I are the same age. I'll be 45 here in uh, less than two weeks and he'll be 45, I believe in August. Mm -hmm. And to see a guy in his mid forties compete at such a high level and big stage like the NFL is truly amazing. Now you've seen guys in their mid forties, even pushing 50, even beyond 50 play major league baseball, you know, uh, Satchel page, how old was he? He was in his fifties, well into his Mm fifties when he finally retired. And then I think of Julio Franco in, in more modern times that, you know, I think he was in his early 50s when he last played in Major League Baseball. And I think he was still playing in some league down in South America uh, at one point. And, you know, he's over 60 by now. But uh, for, for Tom Brady to do that at almost 45 years of age, he will be 45 uh, right in the middle of fall camp. Mm-hmm. And for him to come back and play the game that he, he loves so much and that's given a lot to him over the years – um, is remarkable. I commend him. Um, maybe he's not quite ready yet for retirement. He thought he was maybe to spend more time with family, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in our industry, Greg, as you know, you know, with, with our schedules, it can be so hectic. You don't know when you're going to get a lot of downtime. And I think with Tom, I don't think he was used to it yet. Uh, and right. he wasn't ready. He's probably got something else that's burning at him. Um, there's one more big challenge left. What is it? Is it to win another Super Bowl? Uh, perhaps. Is it to go out any other way as a winner? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not ready to just settle down. And if he's still got that endurance desire at almost 45 years of age, uh, more power to him. I think it's great. Uh, I don't know about any of the other teams in the NFL. If they're, <laughs> if they're liking it. They probably don't feel the same. <laughs> they probably have an opposite opinion of, of myself and maybe a few other people. Uh, you know, I never have always considered myself a Tom Brady fan. I've always admired him at what he's been able to do because he was a relatively unknown. You may remember when he first yeah. got into the league, nobody, he was, uh, I think he was Drew Bledsoe's backup, yeah, wasn't he? Bledsoe's backup until, Be- until Bledsoe took that shot in like the sternum chest collarbone area. Yeah. Um, and that knocked him out of that game. And then Brady came in and never left and, that job until he left. Right. The and the rest is history. And now he's back at Tampa, you know, uh, for, for a third season down there. So I, I think uh, with what he, with what he said in that statement, I think he firmly believes in his own mind, he's not ready yet to settle down. He feels like he can go out and do something and compete with those guys that are in their early to mid twenties, thirties. And yeah, he's going to be the old guy out there, but the way he plays football, you can't tell that he's, in his mid forties. And again, it's commendable. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting. I, I had not, I don't know when the clip was from, um, but I had not seen it until um, late last night. There was a clip of Michael Irvin. Uh, I think he was on the NFL Network when he said this, where he was talking about, you know, when guys retire from the NFL, it's either, it's, it's because of two different things. It's either a lack of skill or a lack of will. And that lack of skill is what will really keep you from coming back, right? There's just no real reason, no real way for you to be able to come back to the game because it's just kind of passed you by. But if you have that lack of will, if you go home and sit there for a couple of weeks, that can come back was his essential point. And I do wonder, like kind of what you were saying about maybe he got home and he's sitting around and he goes, well, maybe I'm just not ready for this yet. Like yeah. when you, especially when you go, you know, he's played 22 seasons. You've got, you've done this for over 20 years and it's what you know, and it's what you love, obviously. And you've done it at such a high level. Like I, I can totally see him getting home and just not really saying, or really just saying, Hey, it's just not my time yet. It's, it's not my time to, to go ahead and just kind of, you know, let football go. Now it's funny in a way to me that he also, I think he tweeted out like unfinished business. Um, I would be really curious what the, what's the unfinished business for Tom Brady at this point? Well, that, that's the thing. Is he trying to be like Bill Russell and Red Auerbach, like the Boston Celtics were through the 50s and 60s? I mean, how many championship rings did Bill Russell get as a player and coach for the Celtics? Is he trying to do something like that? I mean, not really being a coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but is he trying to get to that level? I think it's about you know wanting to achieve that certain status in professional sports that nobody else has ever done. I think in football, correct me if I'm wrong, he may be the oldest player ever to play the game of football. I, 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 yeah, I know he hit all sorts of records of like oldest player to throw a touchdown. And like, yeah. oldest, like there's all sorts of things like that, that he holds. And I do think though, that you hit on something important about going into like his place in like professional sports history overall um, that to me is really interesting because it's really hard as a football player to get mentioned in kind of the greats of the greats in sports, right? We don't talk about very many NFL guys in that level. It's always um, guys in other sports or, or individual sports that you end up um, talking about, right? And, and so for Brady to be one of the very few NFL guys or football players to then get mentioned, you know, with the Jordans and the Gretzky and the Serena Williams and the Tiger Woods and those sorts of people, that's really special. And he can really like, I don't know if he cement his place in that by winning another Super Bowl or anything like that, but it almost makes it to where you have to mention him in those conversations, even if he was not as for his period of time, especially as prolific statistically as say a Peyton Manning or even a Drew Brees, like he ended up with all of those records, but if some of that was longevity speaking. Um, and, and so it's just, it's interesting to me. And maybe that is what he's going for. It, it could very well be. I mean, what's the average age of retirement in the NFL? About 34, 35 years old. Yeah, if that, because give or just, take. It's so difficult. Yeah, it's so much it, on your body. Maybe it depends on the position, too. Uh, but the, the other thing is with Tom Brady, he really hasn't been injured a whole lot. And, and that's one of the other things you see a lot of guys do when they play professional sports. If there's another reason why they retire, they're banged up. Oh, yeah. They just can't go like they did before. Um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I remember when Kareem retired after the 1989 finals, 
Um, you know, he was 42 and I thought, man, 42 years old and playing in the NBA. Well, Vince Carter, I think he was what 43, 44. Yeah, I mean, he's a couple that, months yeah. older than me and he went that long. He wasn't playing a lot. I mean, he, he was one of the greatest basketball players of all time in that, in that league. But, you know, Kareem was still starting at the age of 42 for the Lakers, right in the middle of all the Showtime stuff. And that, of course, is when Detroit came in and they won their first NBA title in Detroit. And then they they beat uh, the Blazers the following year for their second in a row. Uh, and that's when we started to see kind of the downward trend in the Lakers, the the dynasty that Jerry Buss built up. By the way, that, that show that's on HBO, that's a – we've seen – First two episodes already. That is, yeah, that's a great show. Phenomenal. John C. Riley with a great portrayal of um, Jerry Buss, just yep. tremendous. And the, the guy that plays Magic, spinning image of him. Yeah, really and, good. They did a great job with that. <laughs> and, and the guy that looks like Jerry West. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've been able to pull off you know a lot of good lookalikes for the actors. And I'm I'm hooked on it, and I, I mean it's like why can't they just upload them now, and then we just binge, <laughs> right, binge let me watch binge them. I've been I've already been conditioned <laughs> to that. Just let me do it, please. Yeah, it feels <laughs> weird when you're not able to do that anymore. Yeah, and I was like, gosh, I wish they could do that, but I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to come back every week and yeah. check it out. So that that that's totally understandable. Old school, but but back to the point of Tom Brady again. And he's trying to cement something that I don't think has ever been done in the NFL. And again, he's going to be 45 this upcoming season and being the starting quarterback and most 45 year old men like myself, if you're not, and I'm, I'm not in shape like I used to be. I mean, you're starting to slow down, you know, you're starting to develop uh, aches and pains and back issues and stuff like that. You're trying to take care of yourself and still try to remain active as much as possible he's out there like he's in his mid twenties right. having a good time and and why not go play, have fun, enjoy it while you can. Yeah. As long as he can still do it physically. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just um, I, I could totally understand that. Um, it, it's just, it's just so fascinating too. And of course now we're, we, we have entered the kind of legal tampering phase um, of NFL free agency right now. We're seeing all sorts of deals flying around right now. I think the Bucks brought back um, their pro bowl center and we'll kind of see where it goes. I think they lost a couple of other offensive linemen though. Um, so we'll kind of see about how they kind of retool and reshape that thing uh, around him. But it, it's going to be fascinating to see. And of course that storyline will just be huge um, throughout the NFL season this, coming up this year. And there's a few other actually quarterback driven storylines, not that there always isn't, um, but there's a couple other ones like Aaron Rodgers and the saga that is what's him and Green that, Bay. Like, that's just crazy. Like that whole thing. Like it's just, and then what's going to happen with Devontae Adams because he came out today and said that he, he was not going to play under the franchise tag um, with the Packers because they're so far apart with the long-term negotiation. Negotiations. Um, you've got Russell Wilson changing teams. Um, there's always a level of intrigue with like Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Like there's, there's just a lot there, um, as always with the NFL. As it feels like, you know, even on Selection Sunday yesterday, the NFL stole a lot of the headlines uh, with Tom Brady. <laughs> and that, and that's well, and and I guess that's understandable. But you know, in the middle of a basketball selection show, where you know the basketball popularity is probably at its highest right, right now since we're going into the playing games tomorrow on Wednesday night in Dayton. So, but I, Hey, more power to him, you know, best of luck to him this year. Hopefully he can get through unscathed. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, one of the things we definitely want to talk about, like I mentioned earlier, uh, was the, the 2022 Nebraska State High School Championships. Uh, both girls and boys uh, basketball happened last week. And like most was talking about, we covered it all, uh, was there for all of it. So the first thing I kind of want to go there with you on is what type of a process, I want to take people a little bit behind the curtain, what kind of a process was it to be able to cover all of that, given they were running both girls and boys at the same time, and like you said, you had the wrestling stuff going on as well? When we found out, um, it was last, I think last spring or summer, when the news came out that the Big Ten Wrestling Championships were going to be held Saturday and Sunday, the first weekend of March, Typically, that is when the girls' state basketball tournament takes place. The boys happen the following weekend. Well, the NSA decided and they they voted, their board of directors approved of consolidating both tournaments into one week. And I don't think that had ever been done before, with the exception uh, about 1984. What they did is that they expanded from four classes to six classes for the 83-84 school year, and it's been that way ever since. And what they did is one weekend they played the lower three classes, girls and boys, together, and then the following week they did the upper three, boys and girls, together. And uh, this is really only the second time that I can recall or even find where both have been combined into one week. Well, now we got all six classes intertwined, boys and girls, and you're looking at 98 or 96 teams in Lincoln for one week of basketball and 24 state champions, or I'm sorry, 12 state champions to be crowned. So um, it was a challenge. And uh, I know Chris Schmidt and I kind of talked about it uh, one day at work. It's like, how are we going to get through this? I said, well, we're going to find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it came down time to it and we found out what Lincoln teams were going to make it for the girls, well, that was kind of easy to plot out. And then the boys, um, you know, we didn't have a lot, you know, there were teams that we were hoping for like Northeast Southwest to get in. And, and uh, unfortunately those teams got beat in either double or triple overtime in the district final. Uh, and I think both of those teams would have made a big difference too. I think in the class, a quarterfinal round, uh, maybe pose a challenge to some of those Omaha teams that of course advanced on, but but once we got closer, we found out that, you know, there's three Lincoln boys teams in the area that we're going to cover. And then we decided we'll do the A semifinal for the boys, the A championship. And then anybody else from Lincoln that makes a district or a state championship uh, will cover too. And it worked out well, but there's a lot of planning that goes into it. I mean, you reserving, you know, the teams that you want to cover, what games you want to cover, the, the application process for that. And of course, uh, just coordinating who's going to do what, who's going to cover which game. And we were able to pull it off and we got through it. And uh, walking out of the uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena Saturday night following that Parkview Christian win, it was hard to believe at that point that the basketball season was over for us because it just seemed like yesterday it got started. That's how, you know what, that's exactly how it feels for me during football season, like high school football season um, for me is over in the blink of an eye. Like it just feels yes. like it goes by so fast. Um, it feels like I'm getting ready for like that first game where it's a little warmer than you want it to be. And then I, I look up and I'm at Memorial Stadium for <laughs> for the finals um, and doing coverage of all of that. Like it, it just, and I, so I totally understand um, what you mean there. Now, have they announced whether or not they're going to, are they going to continue doing it that way where they have both go at the same time 
they're going to go back to the old format. I think this was kind of a run to see if there's another conflict like this that happens again, that they could probably result to it. Uh, this will not be a permanent thing okay. to my understanding. And that was kind of the scuttlebutt on press row. And, and in just talking to a few of the NSA officials, that it sounds like they're going to go back to the normal format next year. Okay. So then I guess what were, so for you and all of the games that you got to, you know, call and see uh, over the week, did you have any standout games uh, from the week? Well, the Southwest girls upsetting Millard South really stood out. Um, and the reason why is that Southwest came in and played their brand of basketball and dictated the tempo. They like to get up and down the court. They like to slow it down. They'll get up and down the court. Um, Millard South, I think, wanted to run, move the ball, hit the outside shot, and they developed early foul trouble. Southwest capitalized, and really the only time that Southwest had to look back is when Millard South got to within – I think four points in the fourth quarter and uh, it took maybe one free throw to ice it for Southwest. No, actually it took three free throws as I believe it was Kennedy Williams that did all that for Southwest to, to win the ball game. And I think that's one that really stood out because Millard South, if you go back the last five years, ironically, they were runner up to Southwest in 2017 and then they run her up the following year in 2018. They've made it to state in 2019, 20, and 21. So they've been there. And Bryce Myers has had a good program uh, each and every year, but they've come up short. And it's either been in the championship or the semifinals. I think a year ago, uh, it was in the quarterfinal, but they've been so close and they haven't been able to win the big one. Well, you know, Southwest wins. I and, and their their uh, performance in the Class A Girls Championship with Fremont, it looked like maybe Southwest was going to continue that same momentum. But as you've seen, Taylor McCabe, who's heading off to the University of Iowa from Fremont, uh, demonstrated just how much of a desire she had to win the gold and go out and finish her high school career with a bang. Over 2,200 points, I think, for her high school career at Fremont. That's highly remarkable um and i can't remember the exact total but it, it's over two thousand points but um the, the, for her to ca cap her career that way and a lot of those other seniors that were on that team for coach kelly flynn who had previously won uh 11 state titles up at south sioux city back in the 90s and 2000s uh just tremendous uh fremont obviously they they were on a mission they were all season long um, but Southwest was there too. Lincoln High, and I, I want to talk about Lincoln High. Okay. Uh, the Lincoln High girls—they uh, were in a difficult situation when they when they had a coaching issue a few years ago that became a legal issue, and and then here comes Dominique Kelly, and you know Dominique from her days at Nebraska when she was playing uh, for Connie Yori down there, and of course she was a star player at Lincoln Northeast. Uh, along with Charity Romagna, who's a Northeast coach and uh, used to play at the University of Albany. But what Dominique Kelly has done at Lincoln High has been highly remarkable. She's really regrouped that program and made it into a power. They She only loses, I think, two or three seniors. She's got a lot of those girls back next year, and I think Lincoln High is going to be a team to watch. But uh, when you look at the boys' side of things, and what we could talk more maybe a little bit about the tournament some of the other performances too – but on the boys' side, I did the prep and uh, Bell West game on uh, Thursday night in the semifinal. And 
Josiah Dotzler, I think, is going to be your top guy to watch next year in that uh, 2023 recruiting class. His younger brother, Josh, played at Creighton, um, you know, back in, uh, oh, what, 2006 to 2009 or 10, that time frame, and uh, had a great career at Bellevue West before, too, and led them to state championships. But I think Josiah Dotzler, the way his game has improved, he's such a good guard. He's very quick. He, he's explosive off the dribble. He can shoot the outside shot. He had 24 points in a 23 to five third quarter comeback, 24 points in the game. But in that 23, five to come uh, comeback against prep in the third quarter, he led that charge. And I think he's a guy that I, I think a lot of division one coaches, whether it be a Greg McDermott, whether it be Fred Hoiberg or somebody else within the region, or maybe someplace else across the country sees this kid on video and thinks, man, this kid could be a good fit for our program. Uh, I think Bellevue West, I think they were pretty tough, but Miller North, man, Miller North had desire and, uh, they really took control in that fourth quarter of that class, a championship on, on Saturday night and Jason green and David Harmon, I think is a kid that, you know, he may go the junior college route. Um, but if he improves his game at the junior college level and goes division one, I think whoever picks him up is going to have a very special talent in him. He really did a terrific job. Yeah. He led them with what, 26 points um, in that, yeah. in that championship game. And a, a lot of the talk and, and rightfully so goes to Jason green, uh, but David Harmon definitely had a good game um, in that one. A couple of things that stood out to me uh, and, and you almost mentioned it. I thought you were going to mention it. Um, Kennedy Williams related to her daughter of Amy Williams, uh, Nebraska women's coach. Um, I saw a really cool thing of Amy in the stands. um just kind of taking photos, cheering along. Um, she yeah. was fired up. Like I, I, I found that, to be really awesome because it's just so cool to see people that you especially you see in like a work setting all the time because we're always seeing Amy Williams obviously at her games and in press conferences and stuff like that but to be able to see her to just be a mom and to just hang out and cheer for her kid I thought was really neat it it, it was and I got to see that at, at the district final too when they played Lincoln East over at Southwest and coach Williams walks in um you know her and it's Lloyd, right? If yeah. I remember right. Yeah, Lloyd Williams. They they sit down. Um, they sit down a few rows from where we're sitting at doing the ball game. And you kind of look down at where they're sitting with other family, and they're just sitting there enjoying the time, the atmosphere, watching their daughter play. And I really think Kennedy Williams is going to be a great basketball player the next two years in Lincoln. She, she's just so quick and explosive, and she's a naturally gifted athlete. She's a great softball player, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, 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 to see something like that, and even with uh, Fred Hoiberg, when his two sons were playing at Pius X the last few years, watching him just be a dad, you know, he comes walking in, he's got his green Pius X shirt on, you know, whether it be a polo or a pullover or something like that. He's just being a dad. And all I could think of, I remember him playing at Iowa State. I remember him playing in the NBA. And here he is sitting like 30, 40 feet away from me. <laughs> in the bleachers right. watching his sons play. I, I think it's tremendous when coaches get the opportunity to do that. So they, they're, they're not working. They're just sitting there relaxing, watching their kids play and compete and have fun. And I think that's, you know, they need a break from that, but it's probably a difficult thing to do uh, when you're in a high profile position like those two are. 
Yeah, it has to be, has to be. And, and I, I assume that, you know, doing your team doing well at the moment, whenever that moment is of you going out and seeing those things probably helps you out a lot. Um, but either way, that's got to be really difficult, especially it, it just made me think because I never was never at a game uh, with Fred there to watch his sons. Um, but I've just pictured in my mind what that had to have been like. He just he's trying to be inconspicuous, but you really can't be because Fred Hoiberg, basketball players just stand out so much naturally anyway. Um, and you get to see them because they're not covered up with any gear. Um, so it's always just interesting to me um, on how that goes. I definitely want to mention one other thing too. Um, the Lincoln Parkview, the Lincoln team um, that won, I, I am located in Lincoln. You are too. We record the show out of Lincoln. Um, and we talk so much about And this happens in football all the time too, with high school football, is that it is nice to see Lincoln teams be able to make those runs. It was nice to see uh, Lincoln Parkview uh, be able to, especially in basketball where Omaha has just dominated so much um, in a lot of those uh, different uh, classes uh, to see them go ahead and get a win this weekend too and, and take home the D2 state title. It, it was certainly fun to see because we did that championship game with Parkview and Fall City Sacred Heart a year ago. And Parkview did lead that game, but Sacred Heart, you know, as they always do, they find a way to win and come out with the state championship. Well, Parkview this year, uh, they met again in the semifinals at the Devaney Center Thursday night. And uh, I was over at PBA covering the Creighton Prep Bell West game. And I remember looking at Twitter, seeing what the score was. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Parkview's up by double digits, and they're probably going to win it. And they ended up winning it. Uh, I think with what Nate Godwin had this year, he had a couple of kids. Uh, Victor Kochalowski is an exchange student, and the young man is a very gifted player. Um, he, he really helped – uh, solidify the tempo on offense. They want to get up and down the court as much as possible. Maurice Reed did a great job. He was a senior guard from them. Uh, Jacques Curry, who was slight of build, but six foot eight. And, you know, with his slight of build, he looked like he was over seven feet tall compared to the other kids out right. there. But there were times where you, you thought, you know, he's hitting three pointers, but you thought, should he be out there shooting threes? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the you know, when they played St. Mary's on Saturday night for that D2 championship, St. Mary's tallest player was six foot four. And I thought, you know, a kid like Curry should be down underneath the basket and they should be lobbing the ball to him and have him go up there with, you know, those quick, easy layups or even, you know, a quick dunk or something like that. But, you know, he played well. Konchalowski, Reed, Ulrich did a great job out there. Michael Alt, um, I think, is just a very gifted athlete. He had... 19 points and hit some big three pointers in the first half that kind of spaced things out for them. But it, the way that they were getting the ball up and down the court in the second half, that was truly the difference maker. And St. Mary's, who had this was their chance to play for a first state title, like Parkview Christian was. St. Mary's had been there before, but it had been 10 years. And, uh, you know, those kids were still kids at that point. Oh, you know, they were probably in kindergarten or grade school. But, um, uh, you know, it's it's nice to see that the experience, while neither team had a lot of experience in a championship setting, Parkview was one year removed from their first ever trip. Parkview found a way to win, and uh, they used their game to get up and down the court. And I find it fascinating when you look at all the championship games on championship Friday and Saturday, the two highest score games were the Class A boys and the Class D2 boys. And you think Class D2 basketball – is a bunch of small school or small town, you know, basketball where you're out in the rural part of the state. 
that's not true. There's a lot of those schools that like to get up and down the court. And when you get into the, the, the middle range there with the C1s and so forth, even Class B the last couple of years, the tempo has been extremely slow. They, they, they're spreading it out, you know, four-corner Dean Smith-type offense. Um, but, uh, but that's not to say that the, there wasn't any drama at all. I mean, there was a lot of drama in those championship games. Uh, but I think when you look at the scores, it's like, my gosh, Class A boys was high scoring and the D2 boys was high scoring. So they were the last two games of the tournament. It was fun to see. And Parkview gets their first ever state championship in any sport in school history. And it's, it's quite the story, I think. Yeah, that's remarkable when that happens. And it's always it's so cool to see that because like just the excitement on everybody's face um, when you when you're able to be the first in school history and do something like that. Like I've been um, I have a couple of football ones like that where teams have either beaten someone else. And now I'm losing it just now. It wasn't Bennington. It was a class B team. And I'll, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes and just link the story that I wrote during the football season. It all runs together. Uh, forgive me, but it was a class B team that had beaten their rival for the first time in like 20 years or something like that. And just the outpouring and the way that everybody just rushed to field and seeing those sorts of moments um, in high school sports is just so neat to be able to see those things. Um, and there's really not a lot like that to compare it to. You know, when I got, you got to go back more than 25 years ago for me when I was in high school, um, Lincoln basketball was dominant in the 1990s. And at the dawn of the decade, it was still heavily dominated by the Metro, but there were a lot of Lincoln teams at state. Mm-hmm. And then my sophomore year at Lincoln Northeast, we get to the state tournament. We came off a seven and 14 year, the year before, and then we go 22 and two into the class A championship with Creighton prep and prep had five division one athletes in their starting lineup in different sports, not just basketball. You had TJ Pugh who played at Kansas in basketball, Othello Meadows, who played basketball at East Carolina, Tim Ritter, who played football at Notre Dame, uh, Eric Lauritsen and Ben Fogarty, who played baseball at Wichita State and Creighton, and Kyle Peterson. You know Kyle Peterson yep. from ESPN. Yep. He was on that very team as a reserve, and he was, of course, a standout pitcher at prep and, and later at Stanford University uh, was on that team. So they were very, very, very talented all around. And, and they beat us by 13 and, you know, we were there for the first time in the finals in four years. And, and then the next year, my junior year and, uh, and senior year, we won back to back. And then two more years after that, uh, you know, they won the next two. And that was the first time in class a history that a team had won four straight state championships that had never been done before. We were the first three Pete, but there was always been back to backs, but never a three or four Pete. And then Omaha central did the same thing in uh 2006 to eight and then they did again from uh 2010 through 13 where they finally won four in a row and one of those years they went undefeated so you you don't see a lot of that in class a Mm -hmm. you'd like to but you don't because the competition is is so tough and i I made the comment to my wife um um, uh, saturday night at the class a game i said this is like a smaller version of division one college basketball you're going to be seeing i mean these are the big schools in the state that are going to go head-to-head. And, of course, you've got Division One talent on that floor and Jason Green yep. and William Kyle and, and maybe down the road for Josiah Dotzler 
and, and David Harmon, just some of those guys that we've mentioned. Um, and, and that's what I compare it to. They're more, they're like two small division one college basketball teams going at it. And I'm not taking anything away from the class B teams, C one on down. All those teams have great talent and they've had kids that go play at the D one level. I think Kale Jacobson and Ashlyn Greenwood is a tremendous talent. And I think he can play at the next level. Uh, at the D1 level, whether it be a Missouri Valley Conference School, a Summit League School, um, and maybe he wants to walk on at Nebraska. Who knows? He's got talent. Um, he kind of reminds me of a Charlie Easley in a way, you know, that played at Pius and was at, at Nebraska a year now at South Dakota State and heading off to the tournament. But um, Jacobson, I think, all around is just a gifted athlete. But that story with Ashlyn Greenwood winning on a buzzer beater for their first boys title in basketball that Evan Shepard hit that shot and that place went berserk. Um, you know, stories like that. How about Fort Calhoun? They had not been to the dance in 99 years. And what do they do the first day? They upset the number one seed Wahoo. They go to overtime, I believe with, uh, Auburn, who is the three time defending champion in class C one and Auburn pulls it out late. You know, they could have been in the finals against Ashland Greenwood. It would have been, that would be the Nebraska equivalent of a Hoosier story right there. Right. You know, a, a town that is not known for their basketball. And then all of a sudden they explode onto the scene and, and they pull off the upset. They're one win away from playing for a final. And I'm trying to remember how they did in the, in the third place game on Saturday, but I can't remember right offhand, but, uh, but just stuff like that. That's why. I think the Nebraska State High School Basketball Tournament, in addition to the state track meet at Omaha Burke, it's one of the more well-attended events and one of the more storied subs you're going to find each and every year. And, and this is in a football crazy state, as you very right. well know. And, and football is still a big deal at the high school level in Nebraska, but it, you know it's not like a Texas or anything like that, but it's still a big deal. But well. somehow in March – when the high schools are in Lincoln and they're playing in the state tournament, that's the buzz all over town. People are talking about these teams coming in, you know, who made it from Lincoln, uh, who, who made it from Omaha, who made it from all the way out West, who traveled the farthest, who traveled, right. who, who traveled the closest, you know, if it was the closest it'd be Lincoln high or somebody all like right. that, you boiled down to it, depending on direction and so forth. But yeah, it's just, it's nice to see stuff like that. And, and that's why I think, for me, it's a bittersweet time of the year because it's fun, but you know, the end of the line is near. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's, it's definitely a tournament that has a, a rich history and tradition. And I think a lot of people, like I, I, it's not underrated because people, I think people here get it, um, but you just don't understand it. I don't think unless you're here, like how big of a deal of that state um, basketball tournament really is. Um, now, every week we end the show with my favorite segment of the week called Put Them On Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. Um, this week, it is going to be the guest going first. Uh, I'm always interested to see uh, what the guest picks uh, for this. So, Moats, who are you putting on blast? Uh, in terms of athlete or team or whoever? Whoever. Uh, the Lakers. <laughs> oh, man. I, I know, you know. You know what? From you being from Chicago, um, you know, I mean, you, you grew up watching the Bulls in the 90s and, and that dynasty, but you've always had a very special place in your heart for the Lakers. I do. But, you know, with all that talent, 
they there is no way, shape, or form. There there can't be any excuses on why they should not be performing to the best of their ability. Because I, and then I, I don't know if it's a chemistry thing, if it's an ego thing, it, it could be one or it could be both, whatever. But that franchise ought to be whipping everybody's tail left and right. They, I mean, they should. And I'm a Phoenix Suns guy. <laughs> and, you know, and the Suns, you know, ran them out of the gym. Uh, they definitely did. I heard about it from Jacob Padilla. Oh, that's right. He, he's a big <laughs> Suns fan, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just, I think the Lakers, see, I grew up, you know, the Lakers, I love the Lakers when they had Magic Kareem, mm-hmm. uh, Norm Nixon, Jamal Wilkes, um, Kurt Ram, yeah, Kurt Rambis was on that team. James Worthy on the, <laughs> James Worthy, uh, Mike McGee, who was from Omaha and played at the University of Michigan. He was actually one of the backups, I think, to Magic. He was like the seventh or eighth guy off the bench for them. And, and uh, when Magic got hurt one time in the playoffs, he he started in place of Magic. So uh, that was, you know, if there's any sort of Nebraska connection to an NBA team, I kind of latched on to it. Yeah. It's like, oh, Mike McGee's from Omaha, you say? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and same thing with Phoenix, because I think he played with Phoenix for a little bit too later in his career. But I just don't understand how you could have all that talent with LeBron, LeBron James, who's what, 37, almost 38 years old, and he's dropping – you know, what, 40, 50 points? A couple, couple 50-point games last year. Yeah, week. yeah. So I guess my, my blast would be on with all that talent and you can't corral all that talent and, and make it into a cohesive unit to where you can go out and you just flat-out dominate the league. If, if you've got guys like uh, LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis out there, you know, you should be able to make it work, but if it's not working, then you got to, you got to make a change somewhere. Who do, you, so, who do you get rid of? Part of the problem for them, honestly, is that they, they just look so disinterested at all times. Like, and it, it, I think they have a streak going where it's nine games, I believe in a row that they've been down by double digits at some point during the game. Like, and to me, what that ultimately says is, hey, the coach has to go because the coach has lost the team. But also, like, it, it's also a pride thing. Like, you got to be better than that. Like, it just can't be like that, even with Anthony Davis out right now, and he's hoping to come back here soon, um, where you're just always getting behind like that. Like, it just it just should not be that way. Um, and they also just play awful defense. Like, one of the, like, is it 73 <laughs> points that, or so, like, that they gave up in the first half yesterday, the first quarter like it just ridiculous amounts of points that they give up and partly because I think that they're just not dialed into whatever it is that Frank Vogel is selling on defense they don't care right now um and that's a, it's a yeah. huge problem well and you're two you're two seasons removed from winning the NBA championship too also they, could blew, well, they blew that up so part of the problem is, is I, I, they made all the wrong moves in how they blew that team up um and went away from kind of the identity that got them that championship thinking that they needed to chase a third star they let lebron and ad pick the third star and they wanted russ instead of demar Derozan, who is like he was like a dark horse mvp candidate got the bulls playing really well um and so like they just made bad decisions (laughs) i just don't like there's no other way around it um you just pick the wrong star (laughs) <laughs> you really yeah. Did. Uh, do I get another pick or is that it? 
that well, I mean, if you've got another one, you can you can go with it with the second. We you know, the first I, have a double dip. Go for it. Well, I I want to point out as as we say along the lines of basketball, uh, Grayson Allen and him and that hard foul on Alex Caruso yep. a while back. Um, every now and then on social media, I keep seeing clips that pop up with that, and it's it's disturbing. And you know, when's enough going to be enough? And finally, the league steps in, says something about the attitude and behavior of Grayson Allen. I mean, that's just not healthy. No, because you're going to, like, oh, you did get someone hurt, but you're also you have to at some point as a league, and they did step in so that that just doesn't continue because it can get out of hand. Like you're going to end up where someone's you know twelfth man just comes out there and takes a complete cheap shot at him um, because he's always out there doing antics like this. And there, there's a fine line between trying to intimidate and put and make sure that guys think twice versus just being outright dirty. And Grayson Allen has been on that line for years and years. Well, <laughs> even at Duke. Duke, yeah, like it just it, for a long time. And so it's one of those things where I think people needed the league. And I think people, I think people were on alert. The league needed to be on alert um, for that. And I think they waited too late to make a statement about him just in general, because he's had other incidents in the NBA too. Um, but I like it. I, I like that you went double dip. <laughs> the foot of well, I appreciate you. Let me do that. No, no, I, mean, no, I, I feel honored now. No, yeah, you should. <laughs> I'll, I'll make note of that. Jeff Moat's the first ever um, for my blast. It's funny. We're going to stick in the NBA uh, for who I'm going to put on blast. Um, I'm going to go with Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie has been a multiple time <laughs> blast winner, um, which is very deserved, uh, deserved. But it's also going to be, it's going to be Kyrie and kind of the Nets um, in general. So if you guys didn't see it yesterday, Sunday, we recorded this on Monday, it goes live on Tuesday. Uh, Kyrie was at the Nets game as a spectator. Now, uh, it, in part because he won't get the vaccine um, in the in New York state or New York has a mandate um, that basically makes it to where, you know, unvaccinated players can attend the game in Brooklyn, uh, but you can't sit on the bench because of the city's private sector mandate um, in turn that, that was put out by the mayor, Brooklyn mayor, Eric Adams and Kevin Durant uh, kind of put put uh, the mayor on blast after the game as well. Um, and But the reason that Irving and the Nets have to go on blast is that the way that they're reacting to this is weird to me because it's not as if this is just random and it was just done to Kyrie yesterday. We didn't just learn that Kyrie was in this situation and it's a situation of his choosing. That's fine. It's America. You do what you want to do. But on the other hand, as we've said all along about the Kyrie Irving situation, I've said multiple times, I'll say it again, just because you're able to choose what you do doesn't mean that there aren't any type of consequences to that. He's essentially the only, I think he's the only player in the league going through this right now. So it's not as if like it's Kyrie and a handful of other guys that are having this problem, right? It's just him. So I just, I, I need people to chill on like making Kyrie Irving some sort of martyr in this situation because he's not like the, and it's, and I would like to say that two things can be true at once. We can have a situation where I do believe that Kyrie needs to be put on blast for this. But also the rule is kind of dumb, but the rule is the rule. <laughs> like We know what it is at this point. And so just to see him sitting courtside and like hanging out, like it's just weird. Um, it's just a little too much. So for all of that and Kevin Durant, you know, popping off after the game, they're all going on blast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I understand the each to their own, you know, mentality, choose what you want to do. But 
you know, in a, in a crisis situation like we've had the last two years, Greg, I mean, you got to think about common sense right. and is the vaccine going to kill, is it going to kill off this virus? No, it's going to prevent the symptoms from being worse right. if you don't get them if you don't get the vaccine and we've had the two shots, we still need to get our booster. And we were already um, qualified to get the booster on Christmas of all days. Um, But I came down with a sinus infection. And then a few weeks later thought I got it back. Turns out it was COVID. But the one thing about the version that I got, it just felt like it was a long drawn out sinus infection. Because you're coughing, you're hacking, you, you get the post-nasal drip sort of thing. And that's what it felt like. I really didn't have a lot of chills or anything. Didn't really feel like I had a fever. More so of a chest or upper respiratory type deal. But uh, but again, it, if had I not gotten the vaccine, the first two, I probably could have been in the hospital. Right. You know, for my age, you know, my size. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an asthmatic. And, and. You know, that was one thing I was worried about. And every now and then I get these dry coughs and I think that's just a remnant or a side effect of having the virus. But I I think with Kyrie Irving, if you want to be part of a cohesive team effort at home on the road, I mean, you almost have to stop and think about it, maybe bite the bullet. Yeah, it's almost it's just weird. like at this point, I at this point I don't think he's gonna do it. I, I but I, I also think that the in part, another part of the reason why Brooklyn is I think it, like in a weird spot is that they tried to just kind of go along with Kyrie. I didn't think that there was a lot, at least publicly, was not a lot of pressure on him. And I'm not saying right. you gotta pressure everybody into this, but at the same time, you're the only one on your team, dude, and you're largely important to us thus <laughs> if you're Brooklyn winning the championship. He's, so, so he's like huge. He's a key part of what they had going on. And they made such a big like, and this is why I never quite understood. Like, and I guess part of the reason and James Harden has his own thing uh going on, but part of the reason why reportedly that James Harden wanted out was because of the Kyrie Irving situation, uh, which I would not, I don't I don't know that I would blame him. I don't know if that is hundred percent true because good Jay, like I said, James Harden has his own issues. Um, but if I'm Kevin Durant, and I'm like as uh, uh, playing at the top of my game right now, and this is my championship window, I'd be really mad. Now, it doesn't seem like he is. Like, he embraced him after the game last night. After Durant had a marvelous game, by the way, yesterday uh, with Kyrie sitting courtside, another one. He's just so good and gifted. Um, but it, it's just a weird situation that I'm, I'm very curious to see how it presents itself in the playoffs as this team kind of positions itself to try and make a run, even though they, they had been really bad uh, since the All-Star break. Do you think the Nets will do something with Kyrie Irving after the season? Like trying to renegotiate a contract deal to maybe because of what's happened. It's so difficult because it really, to me, comes down to whether or not KD wants that. If KD goes to them and says, we've got to get, either get him out of here or can we get like, can we figure out something so we can get another guy in here or really depending on what's happened, what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. Like that's kind of the wild card of all of this with their team is that like, I keep forgetting that he's there because he hasn't played basketball in so long. Um, The best storylines for the Amelia, that's just going to be a huge one to see him come back um, and what they're able to do. Like that will make, it'll make things really interesting out East, but no, I, I don't, 
think that he's going um, to, they're going to try to do anything with Kyrie after the season. I think that they're kind of married to the situation and just hope for the best, throw caution to the wind and say, hopefully we get a yeah. championship out of it. Yep. All right, that, can do. Yeah, definitely. No, that's going to do it for us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, <laughs> make sure you're checking out the Hill, checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure you're back on that Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'm back on there with another recruiting question of the week video. You can get after us on Twitter as well, or you can email the show uh, straight up breakdown of hillvarsity.com. I will catch y'all next week. A Huda Media Production.